Can I bring out our next please, guest now? Please. Did you get to meet him backstage? I did. I, I mean, he looks like a fun room. guy, doesn't he? I, I love his hair. Yeah. Oh, I do too. Number number one low mortality rate. This guy could be a little bonkers, really. Sir, testing is up 37%. Cases are up 194%. It isn't just that testing has gone up, it's that the virus has spread. Look, I take responsibility always for everything. The coronavirus, I think that at some point uh, that's going to sort of just disappear, I hope. Did I tell you this guy was Bunko? I don't agree with the statement that if everybody wear a mask, everything disappears. Is that clever? When people proudly had their Confederate flags, they're not talking about racism. So you're not offended by it? Well, I'm not offended either by Black Lives Matter. 1492, Columbus discovered America. You know, we grew up, you grew up, we all did. That's what we learned. Now they want to make it the 1619 Project. Where did that come from? What does it represent? I don't even know. I'm telling you, this guy's bunker. I'll be right eventually. I think I was very unfairly treated. The Born to Be Mild Podcast. Hey, hello, and welcome back to another brand new episode of BTBM. It's the week of June 19th, 2020. Here with me, as always, is the Ronald Cabuno. I am the Peter Crawford. What's happening on this hot afternoon, my handsome host? Yo, 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 what is going on, my brother? How are you? I am quite warm. Even the air <laughs> conditioner is having a war with the uh, most powerful and destructive sun that is shining outside, and the air conditioner is currently losing that war. I hear you. You know, like, I think we're getting a little bit of the taste of what the down south goes through on the regular when we get the heat end- indexes up over 100. And uh, it's just everybody getting their wish, and a lot of people are wishing they didn't have that wish to begin with. Yeah, we kind of hope for uh, warm days all through the winter, and then you get the days like this, and you're like, reel it back, reel it back. <laughs> Last I checked, it's actually it's warmer here now than it is uh, where my mom lives in Florida. So, right, but then you actually you're, you're like all these basic ladies. Pardon, I was about to go off script there, but you get all those ladies who are like, I love that fall crisp weather and my uh, what do you call it. Hoodies and jeans, man. And the pumpkin spice days of the oh. year. And I'm like, you know what? That doesn't sound too bad about now. But um, And I also don't understand why people are like, I would love to have this kind of weather 100 or 200 days out of the year. I'm like, no, no, no. Too much for me. It is too much. And that's uh, one of the reasons I stay uh, more in a Midwest uh, atmosphere. Because even though I hate the winters, and right now I'm uh, hating the temperature we have, there are those brief pockets of serenity that you find in the fall and the spring, and they're way too short because we barely have a fall in the spring. But it's right. so perfect, and I don't want to give that up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my wife was like, is there anywhere that it's just like fall all the time or just mild? I'm like, yeah, it's called San Diego, but we're not moving there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> San Diego gets really hot, and it's never all that bothersome. No, it's not. It's still pretty pretty dry, considering. It's um, dry, it's clear, it's nice, it's sunny. No, I went for a four-mile run this morning, and it was oppressive. 
and I had to stop a couple times just to make sure that I made it through in one piece and wanted to get home safely to the wife. Right. You come walking in the door looking like uh, Christian Bale from uh, The Machinist. <laughs> yeah, I just lost 20 pounds in the last hour for my next role. Um, But so yeah, we're going to have to start this week with a melancholy happy trails of sorts to Mr. John Lewis Um, Passed away, I want to say, two days ago now I think it was two And he was a part of the Big Six And for anyone who is not familiar with that group It was obviously Dr. Martin Luther King James Farmer The aforementioned John Lewis A. Philip Randolph Roy Wilkins, and Whitney Young. And these are the guys who are basically the crux of the civil rights movement. A lot of them were featured in everything you've ever seen about the civil rights movement in that time down in Selma and in Alabama. And um, he was actually the last surviving member of that group. So with him goes an era of American history that will never be forgotten. Um, I wanted to give one little quote from him. And this is definitely going to be applicable to everyone at all times, but in these times especially. Do not get lost in a sea of despair. Be hopeful. Be optimistic. Our struggle is not the struggle of a day, a week, a month, or a year. It is the struggle of a lifetime. Never, ever be afraid to make some noise and get in good trouble. Necessary trouble. And, you know, that resonates with me and I'm sure with a lot of people out there because sometimes it feels like the fight is just. And um, right now we're, we're finding fights on all, all grounds that are just to be engaged in. And I think that, you know, without getting too righteous, you want to stay with the truth and you want to be fighting for the truth as much as you can during your days on the earth. Yeah. I agree, and that's a really good quote you picked. It's especially um, apropos for the period that we're going through currently. And it also seems kind of fitting that the final player of the Big Six would finally give his final salute to us after what we've experienced the last three months. Uh, Two months, I should say. Um, And not just because we're getting back into these discussions about racial equality and police brutality and whatever uh, tangential uh, arguments come from that. It's because we're watching history finally tackle issues that have been going on and on and not being addressed all that often. And we're finally really addressing them. And I hope that it gave him some closure to see that we're finally tackling things that he's been observing continuously for the past 40 and 50 years. No doubt. I mean, on the other hand, you do get to see people in the light of day at their ugliest, obviously, like Donald Trump, when he was asked this week about, well, what do you have to say with the disparity of black people getting killed uh, by police, you know, versus white people? He says, way more white people. Why don't you talk about the white people? Way more white people are being killed. And it's like, well, if they make up three times more of the population, then yes, they should be. But even still, black people are far more likely to die at the hands of police. So he just doesn't want to admit it. And then not only that, you have after Lewis's passing, it went like over a day before Don was able to tweet any kind of condolences out. He went for a round of golf once again before he decided to pick up the phone and, and you know, do his absolute least to honor the man. So, 
hopefully when people see stuff like that, they understand more and more what kind of scumbag this guy is. But I, I have to say that if you don't realize by now, you're never going to know. No, you're not going to change anyone's mind at this point. But we can say probably with uh, very little equivocation that Donald Trump probably didn't know who John Lewis was. I'm going out on a limb here, but since Marco Rubio clearly didn't know who he was, why would <laughs> why would Donald Trump? How schooled is Donald Trump? So uh, you know, maybe he went to uh, one African American studies class back in the the early '70s or the late '60s or whenever it was, and his name was mentioned. And I guarantee, if that's the case, he hasn't thought about him since. So I don't know if he even attended, and I'm not sure that he probably didn't pay someone to do his homework for him. Uh, yeah, well, uh, you know, that we talked about last week that he <laughs> possibly paid people to take his high school exams for him, so I That's don't see right. any reason why that practice would stop once he got to the university level. But, I mean, if you just want to look uh, between the two, there is not a starker contrast in how you should live your life. And this isn't, like, uh, subjective. This is completely looking at what we're trying to do as a civilization. Um you know, when you talk about wanting to make uh, an, a lasting influence and wanting to spend your time on this earth wisely, that is why you can't ever give up and you always have to be fighting for a just cause. And so when Americans just want to say, I want to go to work, I want to come home and I want to enjoy my leisure time and that's all I want to do. I'm like, all right, well, if you're not saving lives at your day job, then you're not advancing the species uh, you know, as a whole, and you're not doing a net positive for your life with your lifetime. And if you don't, we are going to regress. We're getting dumber as a as a culture, and we seem to not care about it because we're getting away with it. And there's going to come a point where the chickens will come home to roost, and all this ignorance is going to blow up in everyone's faces collectively. So if you don't keep on the course of progress. It's going to ruin, it's going to come up with some bad results, you know, eventually. And, you know, climate change aside, there's going to be things that really hurt us in our day-to-day lives. Yeah, I don't even, th- I don't know that the, the big picture is even necessary to look at. I think we're seeing, uh, even in the, the immediate uh, future and the present as it is, the, the willful ignorance that has risen to the surface uh, by a certain slice of our society, I like to always say, I don't want to point fingers, but a lot of this has been enabled by people like Donald Trump, and we are seeing things that affect us because of our willful ignorance, and we're going to get into it here in a, in a few minutes, but the way that we've handled the virus, the way that our country has been defiant, even insolent, in its response to the the orders we're getting from scientists, from doctors and experts, and even our leaders and flat out refusing to obey them. This isn't you being woke. This is you being too stupid to listen to people that know better. And it's why we're losing the war in an area where we're watching the rest of the world slowly find success. Right. And I don't know if it's something about the American psyche specifically, but our fascination with conspiracy theories has gone has taken us to a very dark place. It's reaches boiling point. It's ridiculous. 
And I think I saw the most perfect encapsulation of it when someone was quoted as saying, the biggest conspiracy theory of them all is the conspiracy theory that has everyone believing that conspiracy theories are controlling us. And it's obviously for nefarious means to sow the discord and to lose the level of collective trust in institutions. It's working swimmingly right now. So whoever came up with that one has everybody essentially hot and bothered about everything else under the sun except for their own willful ignorance. Yeah, it's a very scary level of meta right there. And it, it works because once you've decided that you don't believe what people say and you've decided that it means you've woke up to question things, that slippery slope is what takes you from being someone who's learned all through 12 years of, of uh, regular schooling and maybe four to five years of college, whatever you've done with your life, and all of a sudden you're questioning if the earth is round. Now, and you're questioning what scientists <laughs> tell you. And if you want to live on the flat earth, I guess that option is up to you. But don't expect to be taken seriously as the rest of us try to learn and advance and intellectually progress throughout our lives. It's not happening because they're able to find solace and find camaraderie on these here interwebs. And that, you know what, that is probably one of the most detrimental things about the internet. We talk about the fake news and we talk about the, uh, the way that it's kind of removed us from reality and everyone's got their, their nose on their phone and all of this, but no, the most dangerous thing is the idea that actually props up and really gives these people confidence in the belief that nothing they've ever heard is true. 9-11 was an inside job. The moon landing was faked. You can find infinite amounts of sources that will reinforce your belief in all of this bullshit if you just get online. And that's what's scary about the internet. It enables <laughs> yeah. fools. Uh, amongst a million other things, right? I mean, just like, it's as though, and it's a double-edged sword, but a sword cuts on both sides. So, like, um, yes, you're able to find out that there are other, let's say, trans people or gay people out there and um, that a movement has been started for your acceptance in the broader society. So go outside and hold your head high. That's a good thing. That's a net positive. However, you're also able to see people of Walmart and see that there's that many other people that go out in public in their pajamas or dressed as dragons on a daily basis. And that <laughs> is apparently normal now, too. Net negative. So, I mean, like, you're able to find your cadre, and if they're not around the corner, they're at least in the glowing box in your room, and then that leads you to have confidence leaving your room uh, in a cosplay outfit as your Monday attire. And to be fair, that really doesn't hurt anyone, but is that the person that you want to be? And if it is, and if it doesn't affect your job, I, I mean, whatever. But there are a lot of dangerous organizations out there that are now just readily available for someone to find if they want to find support for something they believe in. For example, no, I mean, you can go out there right now as a pedophile and find the groups that support the fact that pedophilia is not a choice. It's, it's something that you're born with and it's a sexual orientation. And there are right. plenty of groups out there making that exact movement. We don't do a lot of liberal bashing on this show. We tend to go after Trump a lot, but that is a certain slice of the left that it's pretty hard to get on board with. Yeah, the NAMBLA circles. Yes, which are even larger than NAMBLA ever was at this point. 
Right, no, because that was a iteration, you know, three generations ago or whatever, and now you have people making the equivocations to um, actual sexual freedom or, you know, freedom to live your life adult to adult. Uh, now, um, it's just terrible because then you're just giving the right more fuel to uh, say that, oh, what's the next thing? Bestiality is next, essentially. Yeah, it- the slippery slope that they talked about before. How long before this? How long before that? We were like, that's ridiculous, conservatives. Well, maybe not. No, and I guess what I was getting at with the cosplay is that you're allowed to distance yourself from actual reality the majority of your day and not give a shit about the world and society around you. Because if you see that all these people are gaming 24-7... I don't think that that's a positive on society when people essentially take themselves out of the mix and out of being productive members of their of their communities. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose you're you're looking for people who are a part of society to contribute, to be proactive, and at just at the basic level. Like, what's what's the basic level to you uh, imply? Um, let's say keeping public discourse alive where you can hold doors open and say hello and just be a human around other humans. Okay, so being cordial, polite, chivalrous. Yeah, and that sets a tone for wherever you're at or, you know, whatever place you're frequenting and I don't know. I just think it's like those your online interactions and the more you tweet versus the more and text versus actually have phone conversations or in-person conversations it decreases your ability to, you know, talk to somebody in the real world. Yeah, you're certainly sacrificing some level of empathy for other humans when you go completely uh, digital with your life, um, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. And being being buried in the internet all day is actually some people's job, and that's just the reality of where we are today. But I would hope that that if, when given, when presented an option to be able to do something humane or not to at the very lowest level, let's say swerve. If a dog crosses the road in front of you, I hope that people still live in a world where they understand that that's what you have to do. If you want to be a positive impact on humanity. Yeah. Let's use swerve to not hit a dog as a metaphor (laughs) for a lot of things. Sure. Yeah. I'm going lowest common denominator there. So yeah, no, I, I like it. And the symbolism is not lost on me, and it certainly can be applicable to many different situations. Um, speaking of people who haven't swerved when they saw a dog, can we talk about Dan Snyder real quick? Oh, the Washington Redskins owner, always in the news. What's up? Well, the owner, uh, well, the current owner, soon to be former owner of the Washington football team. Oh, this is true. Yeah, did they? They never announced a new name yet, did they? They didn't announce the new name, but they did say they were getting getting rid of the old name. So half step, I guess. Yeah, they're getting rid of the name, and I think they're doing away with the logo as well. Which I actually, oh, I definitely the logo, doing away with the logo. I thought the logo was okay. I thought it was a respectful looking logo. I, I he looked like a proud man, but a man who had probably been sent to Oklahoma and has had his land taken. So I mean, there's that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, <laughs> you know, maybe that was actually a real profile of a man who was sent to Oklahoma and had his land taken. Fucking a, it, with all possibilities. Uh, yeah. Um, so what? So Dan Snyder's doing great things, right? He's finally getting rid of that racist uh, uh, name and logo. 
And then he's catching heat on another front that is kind of going to be probably even more detrimental to his future with the team. Um, there was this story that came out, um, I believe it was New York, or maybe Washington Post this time, um, because the New York Times had came out, I think, in 2018 with a story about an event in 2013 where the cheerleaders of the team were essentially held hostage in Puerto Rico. They were had their passports taken immediately upon arrival and then kind of forced to be pimped out to donors and, and executives on the team for dates and what have you, uh, and, and you know, in the condition that they were finally going to be able to return to the United States. So that was in the past, and we kind of didn't cover that as much as we should have uh, as a nation, kind of swept it under the rug, but now you had 15 people come out and say that this is an absolutely toxic culture, tons of harassment, and this is in, like, not just one setting, but two settings, two different um, business office environments. So this was a culture that is kind of rotting from the top down. He didn't get implicated in any of these specific allegations and suits. Um, but there was apparently a ton of other stuff that could be hitting the fan and hitting the newsroom soon, which is way crazier. So I know a lot of people in the media had a reaction like, oh, that's it, that's all there was, was these 15 women saying that their lives were essentially ruined by where they decided to work. But um, I think it's enough. But when you look at what else is possibly coming down the pike, it is sickening. Yeah, there's a whole lot going on. And uh, it, it's not even just Dan Snyder, apparently Jay Gruden, uh, who is probably more famous for being the son of uh, John Gruden. Brother. Uh, bro- oh, excuse me, brother of uh, John Gruden. Uh, he also has been involved in all of this uh, throughout God knows how many years. If we're going back to 2013, this is seven years. And it's not even just the fact that they've been sexually harassing these cheerleaders or pimping out the cheerleaders, but they're they're uh, paying off referees and uh, trying to bribe people. They're, apparently, they're not bribing them very well because they haven't won a whole lot of games. So I don't know exactly what what uh, policy was going on with uh, the bribing, but uh, ineffective. But... Um, yeah, you've got players that are sleeping with uh, with certain cheerleaders, and they're they're passing them around. Rampant drug use, all of this is going on, and they've got an FBI investigation uh, diving into this now. Um, it, it it just sounds like a complete shit show, and it does start at the top. And I, I have a feeling that both Jay Gruden and Dan Snyder are no longer going to be affiliated with the Washington uh, to be determined at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're playing the drinking game at home, go ahead, because Pete did use the term shit show. Uh, <laughs> I think that's two shots. Um, honestly, the whole thing about the paying of the referees, I would love to get to the bottom of, because that's the type of thing that has always been at the back of people's minds. There has to be something going on, especially when your team gets the shit end of the stick more often than not. Like, apparently the learners or whoever aren't paying enough and their team gets hosed or whatever. So that would be really interesting because it said that there's more than just the, the Washington football team. And that's got to be got to be the case um, because there's plenty of people with plenty of money and they all want to win. Uh-huh. Um, 
And if the referees are being implicated, then you know it's not going to be isolated to one organization. So this is going on in other places in the NFL as well. So they really do need to look into that uh, at the same level that they're looking into uh, the the uh, sexual allegations with the cheerleaders. Because if this is an NFL-wide thing, you've got to replace multiple owners, multiple referees. And uh, what better time to do it than right now while we're looking at a possible season with no football? Yeah, totally not going to happen. I mean, I was even watching the local news, and I see some of these high schools in the area practicing like, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? You don't even know if you're going to be in the classroom, but you're acting as business as normal and nobody's got masks on. Nobody gives a damn. It's like, I don't know. Where is the mandate from localities? But I guess we can get into that COVID stuff in a minute. I just want to say the saddest part or one of the saddest parts about the um, the contempt and the sliminess of Dan Snyder was when he found out that he was in a sexual relationship with the same woman as one of the players, he had that player benched. And then that transpires the next game, that man's replacement on the field misses a block and basically ends Alex Smith's career when he gets injured and has a leg that's broken so bad he needs 17 surgeries. Yeah. So you can see where his little boy attitude essentially cost a man his livelihood within a week. Yeah. And it sounds like something out of a movie uh, for it to be to the the poetic justice for Dan Snyder, uh, not so much for Alex Smith, who unfortunately uh, paid the price. But yeah, you throw somebody else in there because you're being a petty old man uh, in a disgustingly misogynistic way. And as a result, you lose your franchise quarterback. Yeah, and it's crazy because he is not that old of a guy, but he's one of the longest tenured owners in the league because he made his money so young and he got a hold of the team at such a young age. And he's been getting away with this shit forever. And not only that, but any time that there is anything that needs to be talked about in terms of the Washington football team, it's always somebody else who has to step up to the mic. He never has to answer for his crimes or for the misdeeds of his organization. Yeah, he's definitely infamous around uh, the league and the fans of the league as being one of the most incompetent and corrupt and inept owners, uh, not just in the NFL, but in all the professional sports. And he will go the way of Jerry Richardson and Donald Sterling. He will lose his franchise, and I can't wait till that happens because then you can have what is essentially a historical team get back on the right footing. I used to love when I was a Cowboys fan in my earlier years when they would have that interconference rivalry or mm-hmm. interdivisional. It was fantastic. It was always something to look forward to twice a year. And um, it's, you know, the NFL is better when Washington has a good football team. It's true. And nobody in Washington, D.C. is going to shed a tear when he's gone. No. But speaking of incompetent, can we get on to uh, maybe COVID-19 and possibly the national response to what has been going down? I just want to say once again, I love doing the pod in the afternoon because so much transpires on Sunday mornings. Yeah, Um, that's true. Case in point, Chris Wallace this morning on the fake news, I'm sorry, Fox News Channel getting the exclusive interview with the sweaty Donald on the White House porch. 
Um, he got called fake news, essentially, by Donald. It's like, do you not realize we're the only people left in your corner? But that's because he's getting, he's taking, you know, Trump to task and he just doesn't want to hear it. Yeah, he can't handle uh, being any kind of pushback at all in his direction. And I think that's part of the reason you've seen him kind of migrate away. And we've talked about him before uh, coming over to the side of the OAN news network, which is basically the I'm on my knees filleting Trump news network. Because even Fox News has enough integrity at some point to be like, and maybe not the entire organization as a whole, but there are people like Chris Wallace out there who try to go go out and have some journalistic integrity with the way that they're handling and addressing and investigating this president. And the second anything that is construed as anything other than flattering, Trump immediately jumps ship and turns on you. It does not take long at all. And not only that, he does it in the nastiest way possible. Oh, God. So that's why I love, you know, you got the Lincoln Project still keeping him on his heels. Uh, This week's ad was fantastic. It was Trump is building his wall, but it's not the wall that he said he was going to. And essentially, they just put up a graphics and the numbers for coronavirus deaths saying that if you line these people up, the coffins end to end or whatever, it would reach all the way U.S.-Mexico border. And they had this just terribly morbid graphic of these coffins lined up. And it's really <laughs> powerful, man. They're they're really good at what they do. They are. They're so over the top that it works because that's the kind of thing that you need to use to come out in opposition to this president. You have to be just as excessive as he is. Yeah. Yeah, and not only that, but they are targeting Ohio specifically now as well, which is great because we see Ohio as increasingly a swing state. Mm -hmm. And not just the Lincoln Project, but the Republican voters against Trump, the RVAT group, um, they have really specific targeted ads saying, I'm a Trump or I was a Trump supporter and I couldn't have been more wrong. So as long as you're hearing it from enough people that look like you and sound like you and can influence people like you, I think that is going to do nothing but good in this upcoming election. Yeah, that might be one of the most powerful weapons that uh, people like the Lincoln Project or even the liberals in general have to put out there right now is to show a lot of these Trumpers who have basically subscribed under any conditions uh, that they're going to vote for Trump seeing people who are like them saying, Hey, it's okay. It's okay. If I was wrong and maybe you were too. come over to this side and maybe we'll find our sanity again. That's right. And whereas the Lincoln project is saying that we need to get rid of a lot of people who have enabled Trump and who are infected with Trumpism. These other groups are literally just focused on the presidential race. They don't give a shit who you vote for down ballot because Essentially, once the head of the snake is cut off, you can start to do some work and you can tamp down any of the mini Trumps that might spring up, you know, in his stead. Um, but speaking yeah. of talking to people on their level, Lil Wayne has a TV or a radio show and he interviewed Dr. Fauci this week. I thought that was pretty wild. Yeah. See, now I hadn't heard about this. Uh, you were the one who brought this story up. What exactly went down? Well, I mean, basically... 
it was a lot of the same news about how the virus disproportionately affects people of color. Um, and it was just targeted at a younger audience so that you have people hopefully taking up the mantle of responsibility and understanding that if you yourself may be in the, what do you call it, invincible cohort or comorbidity group, whatever the hell the name is nowadays, um, that, that you have a responsibility to others, not just in your community, but possibly in your family to do the right thing. So I think it's just a message that we've known for quite some time, finally trickling out to the broadest parts of the masses that might not be, you know, invested in the news on a daily basis like we are. Yeah, you need uh, people like Lil Wayne and people who are just more of a public figure in more of a celebrity sense than a journalistic sense, because let's face it, a lot of America is more interested in what Kim Kardashian has to say than Chris Wallace on Fox. They don't care that uh, Chris Wallace is calling out Trump lies, but if Kim Kardashian, or in this case Lil Wayne, busts uh, some some truths, drops some truth down, and they're listening to Dr. Fauci say things, and understanding that everything they've heard from Donald Trump may not really be totally accurate, and I'm putting that very nicely. Then, <laughs> very, very nice of you, yeah. Yeah, you're reaching a whole new demographic, several new demographics even, and that's the kind of stuff we need in the impending months. I, you know, as I've always said, when Chuck Woolery talks, people listen. <laughs> that is what everyone says, isn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, like, that is just the case in point, and I think I said... You know, maybe him and his uh, son can talk to Dick Cheney and his lesbian daughter about what it means to finally change your mind in the light of day. Um, because, the, all right, so for anyone who's been living under a rock and doesn't know. Get some context. Right. Chuck Woolery. Well, we won't get into Dick Cheney, but Chuck Woolery, you know, the ever-present sage um, on Twitter, who has apparently been doing batshit crazy things for a long time now tweeted out something to the effect of the the government is lying to you the scientists are lying to you anybody who's ever learned anything about the things you don't know shit about is lying to you what happens then donald trump says that's my message bro thanks for joining the team retweets it and obviously catches a lot of hell for that because it's completely out of bounds next thing you know i think even the next day Chuck Woolery's son gets the COVID, and then what happens? Chuck Woolery apologizes, says, I made a mistake, and then deletes his account. So now the only thing left blowing in the wind is Donald Trump's ill-fitting suit. <laughs> uh, Woolery himself tested positive too, didn't he? I don't know if he tested positive, but that's beyond the point. The point is, is that man found religion through science. Yeah, nothing is true until you find out it's true, right? Uh, we talk a lot about how everyone is a naysayer. Everyone is, they live in this, this fantasy camp. And it's why we have so many people who live in rural areas who were conservative because they find progressive ideas hard to accept because they're not in their immediate bubble uh, in which they're living. They don't have a lot of people uh, who are part of the LGBT community. And then all of a sudden, Dick Cheney's daughter, now a lesbian, uh-oh, Cheney, what about those decades of homophobic gay bashing that you've been doing? Now you've got to double back on all that. And the, the coronavirus has been a, a similar situation for people because it hasn't reached a lot of these different areas. And then the second it does, everyone's eating their words. 
They're done calling it a hoax. They're like, I was wrong. Why don't people who haven't had it yet go ahead and listen to them for a few minutes? It's pretty sad um, because obviously there is an absence of leadership at the top and it's happening on a more local level as well. You got Mike DeWine on Meet the Press this morning and he was talking to the old beady-eyed Chuck or sleepy-eyed Chuck Todd. <laughs> beady-eyed. Uh, he's got a little bit of that too. His eyes are kind of beady. Yeah, yeah that's all right. He does good work some of the time. Um, but yeah, he was basically putting DeWine to the test saying, you know, if I got off the highway in your state, I don't know what county I'm in. I don't know if a mask mandate is in this county or not. Why not just have it as a blanket issue? And, you know, there was a lot of him and hawing by the googly eyed Mike DeWine. Let's put it like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now that one's dead on. <laughs> yeah, he's a little googly eyed. So, um, I don't know if that was from a horse accident when he was younger or what, but uh, <laughs> seriously, uh, he had nothing to say. He was hemming and hawing and telling you that there's, you know, all these extenuating circumstances that go on through the state. And it's like, no, you're wrong. And he said, well, the, um, the, the statewide mandate is on the table. It's something we're going to probably still discuss. And I thought to myself, well, that's great. Maybe you should actually put it into place sooner than later. Yeah, I agree. There's there's a lot of information that's that's coming out, and somebody like Mike DeWine, who has, was largely very good about this virus at the beginning, he's had to falter a little bit. He's had to toe the party line. He's had a lot of peer pressure from his uh, fellow Republicans, but I would still compliment him on the job that he's been doing. But at this point, don't do it county by county. Just do do the whole state. The statistics that Fauci himself is dropping out there these days, we were talking for so many months about how this disease affects old people and young people are safe, but he's saying about one in three young adults are very vulnerable to a dangerous level of COVID, like ventilator or death type levels of COVID. One in three. Now, that's yeah. a pretty high number. And we, we've we got concerns that we could even reach the levels if we don't get this under control of uh, the 1918 Spanish flu, which, you know, could be anywhere from 50 to 100 million deaths. Is that really where we want to go? Why don't we take precautions? Why don't we listen to the smart people? Well, you know, luckily it doesn't affect as many people as that flu did. So there's not any chance of the the numbers being that terrible, but we don't want to essentially wipe out one third of everyone over the age of 70. That's just ridiculous and heartless and totally negligent. Um, and like you were saying, DeWine is good some of the time and he's just like, I, just boggles the mind other times. Um, there was something that came across his desk this week that he vetoed, which essentially was going to limit the ability for local officials to levy fines against people who aren't taking the mandate seriously. So he said, no, I want this to be enforced to its fullest extent to have some teeth and not just be able to give out warnings the first three times to these people who are recidivists. You actually have to face consequences when you're putting other people's life in danger. Yeah. And it felt like a really impotent statement this week when he came out. We were waiting for possibly a second lockdown because although Ohio has not been in the same level of danger as states like Florida, Texas, California, it's still been pretty bad here. And so I think pretty much everyone was expecting a lockdown. But instead, he just comes out and he's like, hey, guys, can you please wear masks? 
please? <laughs> All right, that see you later. That was really bad. <laughs> yeah, so it was what? The first time he had addressed somebody in a special prime time uh, slot. Ad- yes, yeah, 5.30. Slot. Yeah. I, like, I think ever, right? Or or at least since the very beginning of the outbreak. Yeah, I don't re- I It was always around 2 o'clock. So. Yeah, that's when my wine with DeWine happened, but that's when everybody was already home. But I think, you know, at the outset, there were some uh, primetime press conferences that took place. But this one, obviously, because it had been so long since he had done anything like that, seemed like there was going to be some kind of hammer to drop. And so for him to come out and say right at the outset that there will be no new orders or mandates in this in this address, I was like, what are we here for then? Yeah. And essentially all he was doing was saying – you don't want to be like these other states, do you? No? Uh, all right, well, well please. We just, just come on, dude. Just put on the mask. Yeah. Nothing's going to happen if you don't, but come on. Come on, guys. <laughs> Ridiculous. And, and, yeah, and so we do have, I think, over 60% of the state's population in counties where those mandates and ordinances are in effect. So you might as well just make it the whole thing because... I think I heard somewhere this week that if everyone wore their mask for four to six weeks, you would have this thing on its heels and really be able to beat the the transmission rate into submission. But we're not willing to do that as a country, apparently, and certainly not as a state. It sounds so easy, too. Four, Four to six weeks is what I've read of just mask wearing. Now, I've been doing that anyway, and it really hasn't been that big of a burden in my life, so I'm not... I'm not really sure I understand what what all the pushback is. Again, we have to look at the uh, the American spirit. I, I suppose it has something to do with us being just a very uh, uh, the kind of country that that likes to rebel. We like to be disobedient, and I don't know if you want to trace that back to the Boston Tea Party or what, but <laughs> that's just who we are as a people, I guess. But it does say something that um, most of the states out there that who are in the areas where the uh, the virus is just exploding at record levels, uh, places like Florida, California, Texas, and pretty much the entire South, all of them but California are largely Republican red states. These are people who are listening to Trump. Very true. And um, they're not getting the right information, that's for sure. But they do feel like they're part of a team that is owning the libs and owning the scientific, um, what would you call them? I guess the guys at the top who are so on the on the social medias there was like um this uproar because the most promising vaccine is from a lab that Fauci is a part of and someone's like well just look you know consider the source you can't be trusted i'm like listen man he doesn't this this lab isn't in his basement it's not like he's going to be making all the money off of it you really have to slow your roll on this conspiracy shit because uh, you could tell somebody that there's 100% proof that this works and there's still going to be apparently 40% of the population that just won't take it because they have this level of innate distrust that has either been with them the whole time or has been sown by their time on the internet. It's been sown by their time on the internet, 100%, because I haven't seen the sort of uh, distrust and resentment in general of people like Dr. Fauci and Bill Gates all of this stuff is brand new when this virus started, because even at the very beginning, the onset of when we saw our earliest cases in America, people were still very trustworthy of Fauci because he's been around since the Reagan era. He served under three Republican presidents before Trump. 
This dude isn't partisan. He's just part of a movement and he's an expert in his field. He's, this is what he does. But the fact that Trump has disagreed with him so many times and resisted wearing a mask in public until just last week, all of these things have contributed to, to people deciding they don't trust him anymore. They don't trust Bill Gates. Suddenly these people are supervillains and they are in Fauci's basement and they are making some kind of a secret microchip to track people and eliminate all actual cash currency and whatever other conspiracies we're hearing. Right. Five G towers. <laughs> it was kind of interesting finding out that we do have a national coin shortage though. That was kind of weird. I don't know if I find that weird when you really think about it. My coins sit in a pile in a jar in my house and they never get used. But so that means you've been slowly taking them out of circulation and they haven't been replenished, I guess. Right. When am I spending them? I'm not I'm not one of those guys in the, the convenience store counting out 79 cents so I have exact change for my bottle of But that's of what it says in a lot of these stores now. Please use exact change because of the coin shortage. And that oh, yeah. kind of it took me aback. I'm like, just make more. But apparently the coronavirus has stopped the presses on that kind of thing. And apparently you need to replenish the amount that you have in circulation that often that that small of a break in, in you know, production will put everybody on high alert. I was like, get out of here. And someone was like, oh, no, it's because, you know, paper currency just doesn't have the same worth. I'm like, neither does it, these things aren't made of silver anymore. You know yeah. what I mean? This is like tin. <laughs> Like, <laughs> the, the, the penny's not even made out of 100% copper anymore. That not was a even. long time ago. It costs more to make a penny than the penny itself is actually worth. Than the worth. penny is worth. That's correct. Um, yeah, but I'm, so, I'm sorry I can't use my change because it's 2020 and I pay for everything with a card. <laughs> so, I and mean, also it's very dirty. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's the filthiest thing you could have in your hand in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> like, you ever just have a handful of change and then smell your hand? <laughs> oh, it's so gross. I do it's my like, best not to do that. <laughs> it's like a metallic pile of trash. Um, Yeah, but I saw this one group of millionaires who was saying, like, please, you need to tax all of us just so we can pay for extra COVID uh, research. I thought that was amazing. Like, cause I love to see when rich people are saying I have too much money. That really warms my heart. Yeah, it is. It is nice because as much as, uh, we like to vilify the ultra rich, there are plenty of benevolent rich people out there. Bill Gates being one of them, the guy totally. gets away $50 billion or something every year to charities. So these people exist and we do need more of this accurate research. And you know, what's not going to make our numbers more accurate bypassing the CDC and having the White House administration now in charge of reporting and collecting numbers. No doubt. I mean, that was terrible to hear. And if you want to talk about how they weren't getting their results back quick enough, well, you're going to have the results getting back real quick and it's just going to say everything's fine <laughs> you know, on you're the right. bottom of the sheet. Um, you cannot discredit the CDC. We've gotten rid of our our allegiance or our participation in the WHO. And so these larger organizations that aren't politically biased or um, chaired by political people are the ones that we needed to lean on the most. Um, and, and Trump this week was talking about how, oh, I'm, we still have a great um, relationship, me and Dr. Fauci. 
It's like, all right, but Pete Navarro basically put out a cartoon saying that Dr. Fauci is a total scam artist and he has nothing valuable to add to the conversation. And that came from one of your official channels and you didn't do anything about it. So you want to talk about how you get real mad when there's leakers or when people don't run everything by you and you want to distance yourself from what this guy did and yet you want to take him off the case and put him in the shadows because he's made some mistakes. And I think Chris Wallace even said, was like, uh, haven't you made some mistakes too? He's like, yeah, but, uh, you know, uh, trust me, I'll get it right. That's what he said. He said, eventually it'll come true. Like this, this virus will disappear. And I want to say to him, you know what? I guess you're right. Eventually the sun will explode. Eventually winter <laughs> does end. Eventually this virus will find its way to run its course. But that shouldn't be your approach to solving the problem. Yeah, he's basically he's basically incapable of saying that he's made a mistake, so he's kinda he's kinda using time as his advocate in this situation. Like, yeah, you know. In in one of these uh multiple different universes in the multiverse, there exists a me where this is coming true. So and you know, that is one that of the mind. largest differentiating factors, I think, between good and bad people, a.k.a. the Trumpers in the world and everyone else, is the ability to admit fault, make changes, flip-flop, if you will, in light of new evidence. When when has this become so demonized an approach to living? Uh, well, I would say probably in the last four years, but a lot of this can be uh, also attributed to our friend the internet because people love to be right on the internet, and that's made people love to be right about everything all the time. And that's not just Trump, that's people who support Trump. So being right is really, really important to people right now. But you're not going to get stuff right. You're not going to get numbers right by bypassing the CDC, by bypassing the WHO, by by not listening to Dr. Fauci. People like these are evil entities. They have nothing to gain by overreporting the numbers. What what is the gain here? What is the conspiracy? It doesn't even make sense. But I could tell you it does make sense for Trump in a extremely transparent way to reroute this uh the responsibility of collecting and reporting this data on the virus right to his own desk so he can tell you what he wants in the next 4 months before the election. You know where state-controlled media works out really well? North Korea, Russia. Is this what we're trying to find? We're trying to have uh, the, the leaders of our country report the news instead of the people who are actually there to begin with to report the news? Yeah, I mean, it only works out for a small number of the constituency. Uh, it just ends up screwing over everybody else. And underreporting the virus, while that may be a, a, a short-term avenue for Trump to think that he's gaining the trust back from his base, it doesn't change the facts and the reality of the people still collecting or, or uh, spreading the virus and dying from the virus. You didn't Absolutely. change anything. You just lied about it. Well, so I think his chickens will come home to roost in small little doses, and one of them definitely being, let's just make sure we have as many people in Jacksonville for the uh, convention as possible, where you're going to have a lot of elderly people who are going to end up sick a couple weeks thereafter, just a couple months before the election. So that's one more window into why his grift is unhealthy. Um, it, it's it's going to – it's essentially – there are so many people who are brainwashed into his mindset or have similar views on the world and on the others around them 
that they really need to be shown the light of day in the brightest of terms before they change their heart. I, I don't even know if I... I don't know if there's any way. I don't know if I believe that any of that is possible. I well, think we, we've just got a, a certain sector that it, their minds can't be changed. And that's true, but they can be changed by dear leader. And case in point was the sad, sad tale of Jeff Sessions. So yeah. Jeff Sessions, who essentially was Donald Trump before Donald Trump, with all of his racist antics throughout his history then comes on and gives Donald Trump the stamp of approval as I think the first senator to do so, active senator, and one of the largest figures in the beginning of his campaign. Yeah, He was there and trying to be the Trumpiest of all dudes. But then he does one thing, which is recuse himself from the Russia investigation as attorney general. And Trump acts like he took away his toys at Christmas. And not only that, murdered his whole family. So he was able to go ahead and badmouth him incessantly for the past year or so to the effect that Sessions, running for his own seat against Tuberville, the football coach, loses in a landslide just this week. Yeah, Sessions, who has basically been one of uh, Trump's bigger proponents from the, the very start of all of this, like you said, and by all means should have been someone popular with the same people that seem to love Trump unequivocally. Now, Trump gets angry at him, and so there's a little bit of a separation, and suddenly in the South, Tommy Tuberville, a former college football coach, is a a more viable politician than Jeff Sessions, who actually is a pretty qualified individual. But I I guess now that Trump's in office... We have to elect all guys that aren't politicians because clearly that's working out so well. Well, I think that just the cult of personality of Trump supersedes anything that Jeff Sessions has ever done. So even though you might have voted for him in his past four elections or whatever, you're not going to vote for him this time because the guy that you like even more told you not to. So even though you know better, the word has come from on high and you're just not allowed to do it anymore. And I think that it's pretty telling when a state like Alabama, where Auburn, where Tuberville coached, it probably only accounts for maybe 15 or 20 percent of the fan base in football versus University of Alabama, which is much bigger, that they could hold their nose and vote for a guy like that. I mean, that's like uh, you name it. Uh, Insert Michigan football coach here running for Senate in Ohio and getting all the votes over fucking Neil Armstrong. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's and you know what? I I can't sit here and say that it's a guaranteed miss because uh, Tom Osborne uh, ended up uh, running in Nebraska and he was the uh, if you don't know Tom Osborne, he's by far and away uh, the greatest coach in Nebraska football history. One of the greatest coaches of all time. And popular enough that he was elected to office while he was in Nebraska. And he and actually did terrible, <laughs> in my opinion. But go ahead. Oh, you think so? Well, I, <laughs> yeah. I think I think he was largely unimpactful, but he wasn't a disaster by any means. I think they liked him enough that, and maybe this is fine for them. I don't know. The, the impotency of uh, one person in Congress sometimes cannot be overstated because, I mean, let's be serious. There are people in Congress who are literally doing nothing. They'll vote party line, and then they go on break, and they go on vacation, and they hang out with their mistresses, and they do whatever. So, 
Well, I hope Susan Collins has a lot of time to spend with her mistress out of this after this next election. <laughs> because she has been one of the most disingenuous people that have I've ever seen. She always says that she has to go back to her mainers and figure this thing out without actually giving an answer to the national audience. And then she just ends up towing the party line because Jeff uh, Mitch McConnell said so. So there's a lot of people that are doing that that hopefully won't be in jobs come uh, December or whenever they have to leave office in February. Yeah, a lot of these people are I, they fall into the category that I just described are probably jaded in some degree. They, they've, they've lost any sort of fire. They don't, they don't care. They've been there for too long. And this is another one of the reasons we should probably have term limits in Congress. But in the meantime, right now, I think we really need to be looking at getting more youth in Congress, more people with new ideas. It's time for some more progressive change, even if you don't like the word progressive. And even if you don't like somebody like AOC, Maybe you're not a fan of her. Well, find her equivalent on the Republican side and elect that person. I don't care. Elect Ben Shapiro. Whatever. But we need some more youth. We need some more people that actually give a damn. Uh, and not just college football coaches. <laughs> I know. But when it comes to fundraising being the most important thing you do while you're in office, it's tough not to just perpetuate the same cycle that we live in. I agree. I agree. All right. So... I think we should probably just do a little bit of entertainment and infotainment entertainment and uh, be out because uh, this has been a goddamn downer of an episode. <laughs> yeah. A lot of so much COVID around us. My goodness. I mean, what else are we going to talk about? Well, we're going to figure it out right now. <laughs> we're going to talk about some sexual harassment. We're going to talk about all kinds of things. The death of an icon and then the death of a country. <laughs> good lord what is good to talk about how about one more thing that's a little bit sad before we move on okay alex trebek as we know long 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 time host of jeopardy um it's hard to even picture the show without him of course about a year ago um he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer or at least it was made public at the point where he's at now he's at stage four pancreatic cancer if you know anything about pancreatic cancer you may as well be sitting in the the gas chamber. Um, well, yeah, I think it was like 90% of people diagnosed with it at any stage end up dead stage, within yeah. five years. And stage four means that uh, essentially it's uh, metastasized to a lot of other areas in your body. So um, it, it doesn't sound good. And he's basically saying, uh, you know, if the treatment that he's on right now doesn't start to show any any sort of improvement whatsoever... He's, he's throwing in the towel, and they'll probably put him in hospice, and we're going to have to live in a world. We had to learn to live without his mustache first, but learning to live without the man himself, I don't know that I can watch Jeopardy without him. No, and I don't even know if they'll continue to do the show. Maybe they'll figure something else out under a different name, but it would be very odd to see somebody else up there. This isn't just like Drew Carey you right. know, taking over the helm for Bob Barker, because that doesn't mean anything. Bob Barker didn't need to have some kind of intelligence quotient that you know belied the, um, the validity of the show, because you were just up there guessing on a can of Goya beans. Right. And, and and Bob Barker, while he is iconic in himself uh, as the, the host of The Price is Right, everyone liked him, don't get me wrong, but something about Trebek and Jeopardy that's such a hard marriage that it's almost like when, when he tells you the answers or when he says right when you get the correct answer, you feel like he doesn't even have that card in front of him. You feel like he knew all this stuff anyway for some reason. 
It seems like it, you know, because he talks about like when he corrects somebody for a wrong answer, he's like, no, you should have known that the Moors were this and that in the, in the years of blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, damn, dude, do you, I, I bet you do know this, Alex. Yeah, he's definitely got a dispensary of all kinds of useful and useless knowledge just waiting for him to pull out at any given point. I mean, that's what that show is all about. Thank goodness for the, the late, great Merv Griffin. Yes. Gave us um, that show. Yeah, so I don't know that they would have a transition like with Drew Carey and uh, didn't uh, uh, Wheel Wheel of Fortune, didn't they just make Vanna the host now? Uh, uh, no, I think she just had to host it for the first time ever. But yeah, Pat Sajak and that lump of hair on his head is still at the helm. He's still... Okay, I haven't watched that show in years. But she did host it, and she would be capable of hosting it, because really, she was equally as iconic, if not more so, than he was back in the 80s and 90s. But uh, there is no such person for Jeopardy. Yeah, his terrible, crass, and seemingly out-of-date jokes do kind of make the show, because you're like, oh, jeez. Oh, Sajak? (laughs) Yeah, it's like you just sigh a bunch. You're like, all right, I guess. Let's just spin the wheel again get this guy to stop talking. Right. More of a groan Um, than a sigh. (laughs) But, you know, Trebek said that, like a lot of cancer patients, said that if this doesn't work, then I'm at least going to be able to live out the rest of my days on this earth as healthy as possible. Because the poison that chemotherapy puts into your body, while it can relieve you of the disease, if it doesn't, and while it's working, it makes things miserable for you. Yeah, it's uh apparently it's hell on earth to go through chemo. Um, my father went through it. Uh, he had a a relatively easy experience. He said, but my mom said he was still you know in the bathroom throwing up and just just on the couch feeling like death. And that's not how you want to spend your last few days. So you know Trump, the uh, Trump. What am I saying? Trebek. Let's not talk about Trump for a few, huh? Trebek Please. says that he's lived a a long and and good life and he's not scared at all to move on to what he's referring to as the next level. Yeah. Yeah. So wishing him the best, but I love that he is leading by example, you know, in his toughest days. Yeah. We appreciate you, Alex Trebek. And we will also appreciate your decision to move on when you're ready to go. Hell yeah. Um, how about let's talk about the, uh, Tony Stewart NASCAR alternative. Yeah, what do we got going on there? All right, so I thought that was really cool because apparently it's going to be very TV-friendly. Not that I'm going to watch it, but it's just going to be a primetime kind of short track race where they get everything done in under two hours. And um, I don't know, it's going to just be a refresher and a competitor to NASCAR's long slogging afternoons. So I thought that was interesting, and it's just one more thing that's taking um, some really long-standing institutions to task. Like, the XFL wasn't able to get it done. Um, funding got in the way of the AAAF or whatever the hell the other football thing was. But when there is a voracious audience that is being underserved, I love seeing more content being thrown their way to see if they like it. Yeah, I was never much of a NASCAR fan. I'm not sure you were either. Uh, the races to me were a little bit of a slog to watch. Um, I got down with Formula One for maybe a couple years. Oh, I yeah? thought that was interesting because those guys were essentially international jet-setting playboys who had like scientists on their team, and it was you know really really interesting and kind of uh, James Bond man of mystery type people. Yeah, but, uh, that was but- it. 
yeah, NASCAR kind of a different entity, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's sort of got um, a reputation uh, amongst the public to be correlated with. Uh, how do I rednecks, put it? man? Nicely. I mean, it's yeah. like essentially comes from bootleggers in North Carolina driving their cars, driving as fast their as cars across the country with <laughs> yep a bunch of bathtub rum. So, um, you know, I don't, I I don't know uh, much about how the sport is uh, actually raced. Uh, as far as drafting and stuff, I can't tell what anybody's doing, but I do know that they have a lot of really big personalities in the sport. Um, you, you know, guys, guys like Dale Earnhardt were legendary, even if you didn't watch the sport and Dale Earnhardt Jr., his son and Tony Stewart is one of these guys. Uh, I, I actually, most of the things I've heard about him is that he's kind of an asshole, mm-hmm. but, but this is something really interesting that he's doing. So um, if you're going to do something interesting, now is the time to try it. Honestly, I think that there is an opening for anybody trying new stuff. So, I mean, we are all hungry for content. We definitely are. Speaking um, of, I saw the new Tom Hanks movie this week, uh, Greyhound. Have you heard about this one? I don't even think I've heard that name. Yeah, so it is kind of about lesser-known tales of World War II. Um, and the Greyhound refers to the name of this like battleship that he is at the helm of. And he is tasked with something that is seemingly benign but apparently these people were catching just as much hell as if you were right in the middle of uh you know great britain fighting off the germans um you had to get convoys of materiel across the atlantic ocean and it was really difficult because you had all these german u-boats taking you out left and right and so that's essentially the crux of the movie. And once again, he has troubles with travels and never gets anywhere when he needs to, uh, which is, you know, par for the course with Tom Hanks's action movie career. Um, but it was a knockout. And not only that, it was done in 90 minutes. So they wrapped it up and it wasn't a long slog, but it was really intense considering it was nothing but a seafaring battles the entire time. Hmm. Interesting. No, I haven't, I haven't heard about that at all. I didn't. Is this something that he did uh, previous to or prior to, I should say, uh, contracting the coronavirus? Yes. Uh, yeah. So the, I think this was in the can for a little while. Okay. Um, he was on one of my favorite podcasts of all time, Hardcore History with Dan Carlin. And it was in his new iteration of it called Addendum, where, you know, his normal hardcore history show can be like, four hours plus sometimes and that's like one of a five-part series on a certain topic okay. so these are really lengthy and breathy uh things that he likes to cover like uh the life of genghis khan and its influences or something like that but this new one he does is shorter and has interviews and this is like the most famous person he's had on the show and it was awesome to listen to how much history tom hanks knows about like he walks the walk in his daily life like, this guy knows so much, especially about World War II, that he is more than equipped to f- play these roles of Private Ryan or you name it. And um, so he just had this interesting story that he came upon that he had never heard of either, where it was seemingly um, at the back burner of importance in terms of the war effort, but was absolutely essential to victory. Hmm. So... Uh, 
you know, it takes a collaborative effort and there is this armada of like 30 or 40 ships and they're all from different walks of life. Some are merchant ships, some are uh, tankers and some are from a lot of them are from other countries. But you have to go back and forth across the Atlantic Ocean to get all this stuff to the troops, which is, is you know, completely essential or you're not going to be able to win the war. So there are battles to be fought just to be able to get the stuff to the battles. And uh, it was really freaking good. So I would uh, recommend that to anybody who's got some time. It's uh, on all the streaming platforms, I think. I, I think I watched it on Apple TV+. Plus. Apple, t- It's not on Netflix or Hulu or anything? Amazon you Prime? Know, I'm not sure. That's just where I saw it, and it was free with my subscription. So that's where I watched it. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll yeah. check that out if I can. Um, I had one more little foible that I saw on the news. A uh, little anecdote. Uh-huh. For our younger audience, if you're looking for great ideas to get out there during the pandemic and get yourself a little booze on the down low, like we hmm. all used to do before we were able to you turn 21. You mean not just stand outside and hand the grimiest guy you saw within the hour a couple bucks to get you a 12-er? You know, that never actually worked for me. I never found that guy. Maybe it's because I lived in a small town and we didn't have a lot of, like, <laughs> grimy, uh, uh, just guys hanging out there. What do we call them? Uh, vagabonds? <laughs> yeah, grifters. I don't know. I'm sorry you didn't because we found those guys over and over again. And not only that, found some really... Um, friendly institutions <laughs> that like as long as I had a little bit of facial hair and had a car to go through the drive-thru we were good to go yeah that sounds like Youngstown <laughs> <laughs> so but if you don't have a Youngstown area to go to uh, there's a lot of people in uh, the our treasured generation Z right now which is the younger gen these poor folks who are not 21 yet have figured out that they can throw on a mask which covers most of their face and dress up like an elderly grandma and you, you come out with a walker, just a little bit of makeup on your eyes and uh, your hair a little bit grayed. And apparently they have no problem walking in, picking up a bottle of booze and walking out with their little tennis balls on the end of their walkers. That's pretty cool. I mean, it does take quite a bit of um, a costume to do it. It's not like it's not easily available, but you just don't find a walker anywhere. But there are plenty of grandmothers that actually are wearing wigs. And, you know, essentially, once you get that mask on and those large glasses and the hat, you can only see 10% of their wrinkly face anyways. So this is something that is very doable. Yeah, it's an excellent idea. So for those of you worried that the youth of our country right now is completely without new ideas and innovation, there's evidence right there that they can innovate. That's right. And, you know, don't go to the hard stuff until you absolutely need to. Just stick with the spritzers, may I suggest a truly over yes. a white claw for anyone who is uh, seltzer curious. I find Trulies to be superior as well. Hell yeah. Not only that, the ones that have the lemonade in them, it's just got a little bit of... Yes. I drank one before the show today. <laughs> they are amazing. They're terrific. Not only that, but it's the only uh, black cherry flavorant version of something that is actually better than the rest of them, which I've, I found amazing. I've never ever in my life had black cherry lemonade until I found this truly seltzer and it's amazing. And Grace doesn't like it. So I get all of them. <laughs> no, me and Brittany fight over them. <laughs> yeah, they're good. They're tasty. So, uh, go for that. Uh, fake grannies and Gen Z. Yeah, no. And speaking of Brittany, uh, her new podcast, the bossy besties is doing fantastic. So I want to congratulate her and wish her continued success on that. 
Yeah, and I'd like to give a, a shout out to my mom who was able to move into her new home. Uh, she had uh, an unfortunate house fire several months back, uh, two months back, I should say. And um, it's been well, a, that's a good update to the story. Yes, it's been an arduous uh, journey getting everything taken care of, but uh, the house was actually uh, taken down. She no longer has to worry about that property anymore, and she's in the process of moving into her new home right now, which she closed on. Awesome. All right, Pete's mom. Good to hear. Yep. Hopefully he's get he gets down there so he can see the new dig sooner than later. Yeah. So Florida, get your get your shit together. I don't want to go down there while you're in the middle of this COVID explosion. Hell no. We have our own COVID explosion to worry about right here in Ohio. That we do, sir. So you got anything else? Nope. I think we're just going to come back seven days hence with some more coronavirus and Trump what the hellisms to talk about. There's always, always plenty to talk about in abundance. <laughs> Hopefully Dan Snyder's out by then. I would like to hear Dan Snyder out, and I'm really curious to hear what that new mascot's going to be. Me too. Me too. All right, Holmes. Yeah, shout out to uh, Ryan Little for our theme song, as always. And uh, we will catch you here again next week. Yes, yes. Peace, peace. Peace.